opened the door to the most powerful room in housing, built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress. The gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Elsina Lloyd and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today's episode features another in-depth roundtable discussion from Housing Wire's Lunch and Learn series. During the conversation, Chris Gassel, a sales consultant in LBA Ware, and Joe Kimareri, the executive vice president at Mortgage Cadence, discuss humans versus really smart machines and what the right mix looks like to gain efficiencies in the mortgage loan manufacturing process. But before you listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Want to give your customers the streamlined mortgage experience they expect? Fannie Mae's digital mortgage solutions are fast, efficient, contactless, and they save paper. Our digital mortgage solutions provide efficiency for you, convenience for your customers, and deliver a great experience at every stage of the mortgage cycle. Own the mortgage experience with Fannie Mae's innovative solutions. Visit FannieMae.com slash go digital. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Alcina Lloyd, and I'm Housing Wire's Digital Media Manager. Welcome to another Lunch and Learn. Today's discussion will focus on humans versus really smart machines and what the right mix looks like to gain efficiencies in the mortgage loan manufacturing process. Our panel speakers include Chris Gassel, sales consultant at LBAWare, and Joe Kimareri, executive vice president at Mortgage Cadence. Thank you both for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Of course. So let's set the stage for where the housing market is right now. According to the NBA, production revenues have declined for uh, for three straight quarters and net production profits dropped to the lowest level since the first quarter of 2019. Those profits are still above historic uh, quarterly averages, but with the market turning to purchase and production dropping, mortgage lenders are seeing a combination of higher expenses and lower revenues. In this environment, everyone wants to find efficiencies in the loan manufacturing process, and automating manual processes is top of that list. So for my first question, I'd like to talk about really smart machines, which is another way of saying AI. Um, That term means something different to everyone. So Joe, I'd like you to define what part of AI you uh, you think makes a difference in the mortgage process and distinguish between the different parts of AI. Sure. Um, So right now, um, there's nothing happening in AI that's really moving the needle, okay? But where the potential is to make a big difference is really in, in, in the doc management space, okay? The ability for really smart machines, AI, to recognize you know, the 365 documents that's created throughout the process of a mortgage manufacturing process, right? Identify that with, with, with extreme accuracy, being able to categorize that, place it in virtual envelopes, organize a loan file without the touch of, of any type of humans, okay? Um, so that's one step, right? There's that's happening today. It's happening in most shops. You know, it's probably on average across the board. Uh, it's happening with with really smart machines 60, 70% of the time. There is technologies out there that are being built that can move that into the 90s, into the high 90s. So that's one path. The other path, frankly, is that once you have these categorized documents, how can you extract data off of them? Okay, 
and 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 taking that data because that then that starts that's automating sort of a processing process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even that is happening in some shops today. Okay, now they're not getting a full data load, but they are getting some data. Uh, so you say, well, geez, if 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 people are extracting documents, if they're classifying them appropriately and they are extracting some data, shouldn't that really put that lender, okay, um, you know, in, in, in a fast forward spot with the competition? Not yet. And not yet because, uh, because then they're handing that data to a human that then the human has to process it. And that's where the magic is because if you can replace that human processing that's when you start moving the needle on efficiencies and costs. Uh, so we're getting there, and slow, but we're getting there slowly. So Chris, when it comes to the human part of this equation, um, LBAWare does a lot of benchmarking on salary and follows hiring trends. What are some of the ways hiring mortgage staff has changed in just the last several months? First, I just want to say I love that Joe talks with his hands because I do too, so it doesn't make me feel <laughs> <laughs> we all I, use it. I feel like I'm like singled out. So it's very interesting. We've seen a huge uptick in a lot of recruitment efforts to get LOs to move or you know shops. Back when refis were just kind of hemming and hauling, everybody was just so busy they didn't know what to do. There wasn't a lot of people willing to move, right? But as things start to slow down, and then people are kind of looking at greener pastures. Well, I did so well here. Can I make more money here? And we're seeing a lot of shops really start to entice different ways of paying people. The other thing is people uh, historically through the entire process, the last six months to a year kind of refined their comp plans as well. You know, when you're getting so much uh, business coming in and your comp plans are really geared towards people doing two to five loans a month, now mm-hmm. they're doing 10 to 11 and they're hitting these higher tier structures. You're paying a lot more money and your loan level expenses continue to go up, even with higher margins, which margins were, you know, astronomical last year. So, mm-hmm. but when you actually think about it, the way we've seen a lot of the changes are actually a lot of growth in specific types of channels. Uh, wholesale retail specifically, consumer direct, we've seen a little bit of a contraction uh, in terms of headcount. But the other big things are we're seeing people really being more um, deliberate with how they're devising their comp plan structures moving forward, meaning a lot of them are taking into account other types of metric systems, especially for like operations bonuses. They're really starting to define the efficiency that their people bring to the table outside of just production elements, mm-hmm. and then really saying, okay, if I'm going to go out and grow by addition, which, you know, talking to a lot of lenders, the, the goal for them is grow, right? Grow by adding people as market share contracts, just as originations drop, how do you grow? Well, you bring in more people that are doing more business in different markets. So hence the people bring the signing bonuses, more complicated comp plans, but also making sure you don't drown when you go bring in all these people and making sure that they can actually have a process in place to actually, you know, make those plans viable for their business. So you mentioned efficiencies, and I want to dive deeper on that. Where do you think the low-hanging fruit on getting efficiencies is right now versus what companies have already done? Um, this doesn't have to be automation. It could be human-based as well. What do you both think about this? Joe, you go first. Okay. Well, I think there's a couple of things that's happened over the, over the pandemic, okay, especially with the dropping interest rates. Um, you know, it was a global pandemic. It wasn't. It just wasn't a dropping of interest rates in the United States. So what? What's what's happened? If you look at past refi bubbles, as we used to call it, okay, a tremendous use of offshore resources, all right, which absorbed that capacity, which allowed those, which allowed lenders domestically 
to stay in control of their own shops. So as the rates went up and the bubbles went away, there was a reduction in outsourcing and offshore resources, and thus, and not necessarily impacting core domestic capacity inside of a lender. That didn't happen this time. It was a global pandemic. Offshoring tasks were, were more difficult than they were in building staff internally. So, um, so what lenders were, had to do is they, they had to start training their own people, then adding to their payroll, okay, fighting and stealing employees. I mean, I mean, pre-pandemic, a really good solid underwriter would be $65,000, right? In the heat of the pandemic, a really good solid underwriter is, was, a, was a six-figure person. So, uh, it, you know, so, so right now, I think lenders have to look really, really hard and say, what is the next six months to a year in the changing market? And they're going to they're going to have to look at their, their 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 staffs and say, you know, where are their efficiencies? Where where can I cut the heads? Uh, and it's and it's a horrible thing, but it's but but quite frankly, it's it's a result of this being a different type of refi bubble and the inability to off offload that in, into offshore environments and outsourcing. So lenders just to keep up were were forced to grow their own grow their own pipelines and 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 now they're carrying that capacity and have to make some hard decisions if they can't keep feeding the beast. And Chris, what do you think about this? I, I Joe hit all the right points there. And I, I would kind of just continue to stress the, the point on the staff. You know, we're seeing a point where originations as a whole this year continue to be very strong, right? You look at 2019, 2018, which was terrible, right? And you still see a very, very strong market in terms of uh, opportunities for people to grow their business. And like you said, you know, in a global pandemic, you couldn't offshore. So what did they do? Well, what mortgage people typically do, they throw bodies at the problem, overflow the situation and just ensure that the pipeline keeps moving because you have to, because without loans flowing through, you don't get money, you don't get paid. But like he said, in that time, because there was supply demand in terms of body, People were getting a lot more money. They were getting executive bonus or you know high-level signing bonuses. They were getting really crazy bonus structures just to entice because a, an underwriter was a hot commodity. And you know, at this point in time, you still see people really trying to evaluate, okay, I threw all this money and all these people at these problems because I needed to to get through the situation. But at the end of the day, now we're getting into that shift focus where that bubble starts to dip. All right, well, what do we need to do now? So when you talk about efficiencies. I need to understand that these people I brought on, do I actually want to keep them? What is the cost per employee per loan? What are the actual efficiencies gained if I were to retain or subtract these individuals? Do I see a dip? And that's where like a lot of the, you know, kind of data itself needs to be looked at. But then also, like Joe said too earlier about, um, you know, the doc management stuff and you can do OCRs and like, this is something that you could really speed up your pipelines, your process, which effectively makes you more revenue, but also decreases the amount of people needed to do the day-to-day -day tasks. So uh, I just think it's extremely interesting for people to actually analyze who they have in-house today. Are they worth keeping? Are they worth not? Because that underwriter you paid six figures might be blowing the other people out of the water. They may cost you more, but they also might be your most productive person. Do you want to get rid of them? It's like signing like the high-level baseball player, right? Like I got, you know, Mike Trout, but he cost me a lot of money and I had to get rid of three other players, but what he brings to the table is just irreplaceable. So I don't mind paying it. So you mentioned speeding up efficiencies, and I still want to continue on this, but the low-hanging fruit on getting efficiencies, I'm curious of what kind of benefits could implementing early steps have for lenders in a low-margin environment. Who wants to go first? 
I'll, I'll let you go first. Give me a break. To, <laughs> I talk too much. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, I, I'll tell you what. So, you, yeah, you know, there's all this technology out there. And if, and if you look, it's, it's shifting. You, you know, we had five years of fintech, mortgage fintech excitement, right? But when you look at what's been created that five years, it created, you know, a, it was all pointed to a better consumer experience, which was great. Okay. And a better loan officer experience. But so that's all that. And that was, that was exciting. It was new, but frankly, none of, none of those two things actually impacted the call, the manufacturing cost per loan. Quite frankly, if you're honest with yourself, it almost, it almost made the cost per loan more expensive because now you've, now you've added disparate tech capability and management and oversight and things like that. And it didn't create the efficiencies in manufacturing, but it did improve the consumer experience. And it did allow a mortgage originator, those who were willing to adopt the use of that technology, a better mortgage experience. <laughs> I think what you're going to see now, okay, you know, the, the, the sizzle around POSs and things like that have kind of died down a little bit. Competitors have settled into their market share. There's not a lot of new entrants right now. I think what you're going to see is all the fintech is going to be pointed to the manufacturing process, something that has been in the last five or six years almost completely ignored from a technology perspective. And I think that the opportunity for lenders right now to use technology to drive out costs, create efficiencies, lower the cost per loan is really going to be looking at all the technologies in the marketplace today that are going to be that could help the manufacturing process and and move away from making a better loan officer experience or improving the consumer experience because that's the only way you're going to compete in a purchase money market. Yeah, no, I I, I think he's right. And when it comes to there definitely was a need, right? Because when the light is shined so bright on the mortgage industry and the process is growing. You had to really dive in if you didn't have a solid customer experience through COVID because you couldn't go meet people. You couldn't go have coffee and take that, you know, 1003 on a napkin and get those basic things you needed. Right. So having the point of sale system, especially as we go into, uh, you know, the biggest segment of buyers and the millennials, like they want a different experience. They want to be able to be driven through technology. But, you know, Joe and I were talking earlier on this about how there's also somewhat of a fear in terms of technology as to the trust and the security around what these things provide. So when you think about the experience itself and the benefits, I do agree that it's mainly the document. It's, it's, it's the, um, you know, mortgage creation part of it where you have to really automate a lot of the simple things, but it's also like the e-note stuff, right? Like last year, like that's something that was really, you know, when I was an originator and e-notes weren't really a thing, uh, it's something that now I wish I could have had because there's a lot of people who probably would have really appreciated the simplicity that it brings to the table in the process. Um, and also the consumer experience, like you say, that's something where when everything's going online, everything's going digital and your brand is becoming, you know, center point to everyone else. And people are talking a lot uh, on social media, whether we whether we want to acknowledge it is not. Um, that is something where people do make decisions based on what other people see and hear and reviews are a part of that process. So if I know that I have a lender that has great automate, has a great point of sale, has great uh, turn times, has great communication, has systems in place that not only enhance the customer experience, but as a worker, as a processor and underwriter, know that I have tools in place that allow me to make my job uh, better, easier, faster. 
I'm more inclined to go work for that lender, right? They're investing in technology by, yes, it, it may be a loss leader for now because the technology expense is high. But over time, as you scale and things get better and we improve our processes, we're going to start to see the efficiencies and I'm going to be a much happier worker and my customers are going to be happier as well. So, you know, I really love that you touched on the fear. So what things, once companies get over this fear, what should they consider as they look to automate some of their processes? What does research show as far as where consumers want and need human touch points in the process? I'm sure that helps them uh, decide what they need for their businesses. Uh, yeah, so that's a, that's a big question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's a, there's a, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of things that are, that are like, you know, we were talking earlier to uh, earlier today, there is, when, when you think of agency loans, okay, just think of Fannie, Freddie, and Ginny loans, you know, we're, the, we're probably the only lending segment, okay, that has rules, very, very defined rules. They don't have it in credit cards, they don't have an industry credit card criteria or an industry personal loan criteria. Mortgage has a set of rules, right? So it because it has a set of rules, you can program and you can use technology to manage data and processes around that rules. So arguably today, there are, you know, if you say, what percentage of the market is vanilla agency business? You're probably well into the 70s, right? Mm -hmm. 70% of the business. Today, there is enough technology out there applied with, with, with great thought and workflow and things like that to, to eliminate, to really eliminate humans out of the entire process. Mm-hmm. Okay. So literally there is enough technology out there that, that a human being would only have to deal with exceptions. Okay. Versus the, you know, people who flow through a vanilla, a vanilla type of process and technology could do everything else. So you say to yourself, all right, well, that's a bold statement. How come it's not happening? And there's so many blockers for it to not happening, right? Number one, you got to have a consumer that embraces that. You have to have a consumer at the point of sale who is willing, after putting down the USA Today and read about the latest data breach, to log into a system based on a person they just met and put in their username and passwords to all their bank accounts, right? You got to have a consumer willing to do that. That doesn't happen often, right? And, and every major, every major you know, news story and news cycle about data leakage and things like that makes the consumer, consumer pull back on that. Then you got to have a loan officer who, who embraces all the tools that are the day one certainties and the loan beams and the physicities and all these things, embraces that, right? And your average prolific loan officer today is 58 and a half years old. And that whole concept of you can't teach an old dog's new tricks is true, right? They're a human day one certainty. They don't need all these fancy buttons on their computer to originate loans. They've been doing this their way for 30 years. And then you have lenders themselves, okay? Financial institutions are always very slow and resistant to new tech, because of all the due diligence that they have to do to, with firms that bring those vendors in and, and all that criteria. But then you also have mortgage bankers who are, are far more engaged, okay, and would like that, but resistance when, when that mortgage banker is now faced is saying, do I really want to invest in all this tech and eliminate the people? Because in a, in a, in a good old-fashioned mortgage banking, the, they operate like a family. 
Okay. And, and letting go people, okay. Is not something that, not something that they like to do or want to do. So there's the emotional resistance. There's a consumer resistance. There's the, the ageism of certain points in the contact, all this, all this is, is creating the blockers for technology really to move the needle and have an impact on an organization. So I want to focus back on staffing. You mentioned the human element on why companies might automate their technology and why they might not automate it at all. So I want to focus on what some of the lenders did in 2020. And so what areas did lenders stack up during 2020 that you see them shedding now? And Chris, do you think the trends you're seeing fit with historical cyclical trends or are there some different things going on in the market? Um, Joan did a really good job laying out what factors encourage and what factors necessarily discourage companies. So interested to see what trends have popped up. You know, what's this this trend itself is extremely interesting. Obviously, histor- mortgage industry historically always has these rise, you know, ebbs and flows. You know, the refi boom comes, the refi boom goes. There's, you know, contraction, addition, all sorts of things. Uh, we we still aren't at a point right now where we're seeing too much of the contraction. And actually, it's quite the opposite, just based on the data that I looked at. Um, most of the client, you know, most of the people that, you know, we've analyzed, we're actually seeing uh, headcount growth. Because again, it's it's something where I don't think people are quite ready to give up on the fact that the opportunity still exists to continue to still hit higher level and record level volume. And I do think people have implemented uh, in the last several years some technology that allowed them to create that scalability as they improve, you know, not only headcount, but they could also improve more loans, which more loans will make more money. But with more technology, more people comes more cost. So it's really sitting here in um, these companies that are still kind of just throwing bodies at the problem to try to make sure they're grabbing market share. It's really trying to understand exactly like what the true benefits are. So when you sit here and you think about like, you know, Joe did a great job outlining the fears that the consumer has and that the standard originator has, which myself, I have the benefit of, I was a, I was a younger originator who was taught by the old guard in the ways of knowledge and understanding the process and the rules, if you were, but it was also something where I was very intrigued by technology as well. How can I actually make my life better? How can I make my consumer's life better? So I think when we see lender staffing, they are looking for some of those newer people, but they're also looking for those very experienced branch managers. Like they're, if, if I'm a lender, they're probably looking out for a, a branch manager, somebody who does a lot of volume because the name of the game is grab the market share, control the area, you know, gain business. Um, operations, obviously, through 2020 was the focal point. It was more processors, more assistants, more underwriters. Uh, I've got people. Those people are bringing in business already. Uh, and they've got more than they can handle. And I need to make sure they're happy. And the only way to do that is to make sure my operations people do their job. So these people can just get on the phone all day and sell. Right. I remember checking in on my old LO friends and just be like, hey, how are you doing today? Be like, oh, I took apps from seven in the morning until midnight. Right. Well, how do you think your operations people feel? Did you thank them? Like they're the ones making sure you're getting paid. Like you're taking apps, they're getting the loans done. So let's be real about who's doing a lot of the work. So I think historically, we're in a weird point still. I would like to see this play out maybe over the next 12 months and kind of re- reanalyze that headcount because I do think we will see, as, as Joe said, people adding new fintech technology that will create the scalability efficiency that people really need to not have a body in certain roles uh, and then see what the actual, again, the, the benefit is from a cost standpoint. So once a company has moved beyond this loan meeting group, what's the next consideration for their processes and what makes taking another step harder to achieve? Um, we've talked about fears consumers have, 
or lenders have. So what is the next step for uh, these companies? I, so there, I think there's a there's a couple of different things. When I when I when I said earlier about there's there's technologies out there, okay, um, that can automate, you know, all the processes, right? Um, that's true, okay, but it's it's really bridging the gap between the industry and the and the technology, mm-hmm. and I, I think there's a I think there's such an opportunity there. I can't tell you, uh, just being in the position that I'm in um, right right now, and and even prior to to joining Accenture, uh, lots of visibility in brand new tech startups, okay, which are doing fantastic things, right? But when I look at the senior leadership team of that tech startup, I'm amazed that nine out of 10 don't have an industry resume on the senior leadership team. So they have a great idea, they have great tech, but they they don't know how to apply it. Okay, so I, I think the 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 components in the technology are outpacing the industry's ability to actually connect it and make a difference and change things. Right? I, it's 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 fascinating. I mean. And I, and, I, and I think along with that too, as, as you know, this is no secret to everybody, there's a lot of PE money being poured into to mortgage tech, right? And where that, that typically technology PE money, you, you would not consider, you would not consider those entities people with great patience, <laughs> right? So there is, there is a lot of pressure when you're a mortgage tech company to make the register ring. And I do think there's just a general disconnect, okay, between the technology and the industry and how to best apply it to move the needle and, and make major impacts in, in operations. I think when, when, when with an individual technology or a lender, when they, when they figure that out in some type of scale, then, then you're going to see magic. To hear the full conversation, head over to housingwire.com slash webinar. Thank you for listening. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing HousingWire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Elsina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. I hope you have a great afternoon. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the hottest stories crossing our news desk daily. The podcast is now available wherever you like to listen. Make sure to tune in tomorrow.